So my middle daughter started on a travel softball team. And we don't know many of the parents. We had a tournament on Friday night. And one of the things that you're always anxious about when you start with a new team of people you don't know is how to connect with them. If you're going to spend that much time with people, it's, it's really important. And so I thought about that. How do you connect? How do you have a conversation with these kind of people? So I employed some of the tactics that I've learned over the years of conversing, which is listening. And so I made myself available, interested in others, and had some really great conversations with people without really saying any words at all. I mean, I probably had a conversation with one guy for over an hour. And you know how many words I said probably in that whole hour? I mean, less than a hundred. So carrying a conversation is possible and, and a good conversation. I mean, I learned a lot about that dude and really enjoyed it, but the pressure was off. I had no pressure on me. And that's, that's what we're going to be talking about today is how to have a conversation. This is the Hayden Alabama podcast. I'm Philip. I'm Brad. And so we're going to walk you through maybe some of the problems that people have and some tangible ways to get you in the game of conversation and hopefully remove that anxiety because it can be paralyzed. Oh yeah. Uh, there's a statistic that says um, that a lot of people are more afraid of, of public speaking than they are of dying. Do you yeah, believe that? I do believe that and I have read that statistic too. Before we get started, once you give some credibility to the good people out there that don't know you, tell us a little bit about how you're able to have conversations. What do you do and how have you learned? You know, what, what situations have allowed you to learn how to have a good conversation? All right, well, here's my credibility. Thank you. That'll be all. So. It's a long list. <laughs> it was almost as though yeah. the camera was muted in that time. All right. Well, uh, I have to be honest. Uh, I do much better speaking to young people because that's the nature of my work as a teacher, a coach. What grade? Uh, eighth Grades. grade. Mm-hmm. I always taught eighth grade. Occasionally in in the 17-year career, there's been a, a mix. Maybe I had a, a short stint with juniors, some with freshmen, and I'm going to be having a, a, some sophomores this year, So, but mostly uh, middle school age kids. Coaching-wise, anywhere from 7 through 12, uh, and even young ones, like when me and you coached together. Uh, a couple of years ago with little youth sports stuff. But um, it's not completely, you know, when you deal with kids, you're not completely free from addressing adults because you got to have those dreaded parent meetings. Yeah, that's what where, I was going to say. Don't count yourself out. You talk right. to a lot of parents. Yeah, and a lot of the, a lot of the conversation, um, it's, it's one-on-one, and that's where most people are comfortable. Uh, you know, when you address a, a large crowd, you, you probably do like I do. You freeze up, you stammer and stutter over your words. And then sometimes people can just even be petrified of, uh, and, and be awkward, you know, with just yeah. normal, everyday conversation. Uh, but between that and, you know, youth ministry, uh, we've taught college and career when we were at, uh, at Enon, um, filled in adult Sunday school class. So, I mean... And it doesn't matter how long you do it. You never really completely get comfortable. You just kind of learn how to manage that discomfort, manage that fear, and kind of do the best you can with it. Would you consider yourself an introvert or an extrovert? Depends on the day. So I think that would qualify me as schizophrenic or bipolar. Are you medicated? (laughs) You're not medicated. No. uh, I guess it all depends on what what is the workload, what what is the mood. Yeah. When you're when you're beaten down and you feel kind of heavy laden from work, you kind of backs you into a corner and you want to be an introvert. 
but then uh, as part of our career and part of our work life, you have to be an extrovert. You have to be outgoing because when you deal with the people that I deal with, they have to know that you care about them. Yeah. And if you don't talk to them, they don't think that you care about them. And if you don't listen to them either, they don't think that. Yeah. If you don't believe that you can make somebody mad about not say anything, go and do it. All right. My credibility comes from being in healthcare. So being a nurse, one thing you have to be able to do is talk to patients and patients' families. So I've learned a lot from being a nurse for over, well, since 2005, whatever that is. And then also being in ministry, you know, being a, being a pastor, you have got to be able to talk to people. And so learning, you know, being in ministry, I've learned a lot about talking to people. I think I hear some conversing going on behind us. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, my kids are also good conversationalists. Sometimes. So are mine. Uh, so, so those two things are the biggest ones, but I can remember my mom telling me stories about being a kid and I would go missing and she would find me on a milk cart. She would find me out on park benches and stuff, <laughs> conversing with old men and people just sitting there listening to them tell stories. And I think I'm maybe most comfortable talking to the older generations. And the reason for that is I think the driving force for me being interested in talking to older people is they have sometimes maybe oftentimes the most to offer i mean one thing that Wisdom. i'm always trying to gain in a conversation and i mean not selfishly i mean i'm really invested in the other person but i like to take something away right. something and so the older people have so much experience in life and so many things that they can give us and that's one of the reasons why i like talking to them so if you're missing out on that talking to the older generation you're missing out on a lot we talked about that in, in other podcasts too. Your right. family reunion, we talked about that a little oh, bit. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they, they've got a lot of experience and a lot of stories and a lot of wisdom. I love stories and conversation. Absolutely. That's one of the biggest, like, you know, going through the education program at UNA, like, they throw all these theories and all this education stuff. And I don't remember anything except for one. The guy, I believe his name was Gordon Pask, and he had the conversation theory. And he said, all true and meaningful learning is attained most in conversation. Wow, that's strong. So. Well, that's what we're addressing today, the problem. The people who are tuning in are people that may have problems with conversation, or maybe they don't. They're just looking for the tip to go to the next level. So we've got those. Um, what do you think? Two reasons. Let's give two reasons why people don't connect sometimes. I'll start off and you give number two. How about that? Okay. Number one reason in my mind that I think people don't connect and have good conversations is they're anxious about what they're going to say. When you sit there and you look at a group of people or even one person and all you're thinking about is, I don't know what I'm going to say, that'll keep you from the conversation. Mm -hmm. You will never open your mouth and even start the conversation if that's all you're worried about. Right. People have lost that art, that ability to converse because there's more time on social media, more time on a keyboard than there is in face-to-face -face conversation. So lack of practice right. due to other methods of communication. Right. I think that's a good one. Well, all right. Well, let's get to it. We got five things that we've developed to help you walk through and have better conversations. The number one is know your setting. Know your setting. If you are in a party scene, is it going to be the same approach as if you are at a funeral? Or the construction zone. The heart of construction zone. <laughs> Is it going to be the same? No. 
are you going to have to maybe consider having some different approaches in those different settings? Here we are at the last Sunday in July. Should I sit here and say, Philip, I love Christmas? You could. I don't, I don't know how I would respond to that. So you put me in a weird position to even mm -hmm. know how to respond to that. But I, I do have some questions. I'm thinking, well, why is this guy wondering about Christmas? But right. chestnuts roasting on the asphalt in July. <laughs> you could, here lately, you could, yeah. you could roast those things anywhere. That's right. It's been good and hot. All right, so know your setting is number one. And I, I alluded to number two earlier. But number two is do not worry about what you're going to say. Do not worry about, well, I wonder if they like baseball. Do I need to say something about the game the other night? Or I wonder if they're a Republican or Democrat. That's probably not how you should yeah. start, ever start a conversation. Yeah, just let it let it flow. Let it flow. You can't script it. You can go in with some maybe intentional things that you want to talk about or ask about, but mm -hmm. you, I don't think you can go in with a, a word-for-word script. Yes. Do not worry about scripting the conversation before you go in. And the number one reason why I say that is, is that will keep you from even starting the conversation. And then also, I think one way to start a conversation is just start with a compliment. Yeah. And be appropriate. Obviously, there are some barriers there. You yeah, need, to, need to know who your, who your person yeah, you is. Yeah, you, you don't want the conversation to end in a restraining order. Yeah, you don't or, want to have files, uh, charges filed against you. That's right. Right after the thing. <laughs> So don't worry about what you're going to say. Number three, and this one is so important because it's going to generate and, and create the right mindset, is sincerely want to connect with the person. The opposite of that would be seeking somebody only to connect for your own benefit. And why do, why do I think that's so important is if you're looking at a person or a group and thinking, man, how am I going to, I'm going to benefit by talking to these people, this, this, and this. People sense that. And it's going to send you to a place of me, 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 I, mm -hmm. I, 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 And if that group of people don't know you, unless they're just really nice, I don't think they're going to respond well to just you, uninvited, telling about all about you. Well, it's like uh, talking about that older generation, you know, giving us hints and advice, learning from their experience. Uh, I love the question that I, I heard from an older person. Uh, they asked, you know, how many ears do you have two how many mouths do you have one so do twice as much listening as you do talking so well that's a good word yeah is that difficult sometimes though oh yeah why do you think it's difficult to listen more than you talk well the older and more experienced that we get i feel like sometimes we feel like we become more experts in our own opinion and we think that our we get set in our ways and we think our way is the best way so we have to share our thoughts on it and persuade everyone to do things our way all right number four and this this will really this is super practical and this will help not only start the conversation but keep it going ask good open-ended questions avoid the yes and no exactly so there's the open-ended suggestion you know are you here at the party tonight? Um, well, Philip, what brings you to the swing in Hayden, Alabama today? That's a good one. So that's gonna, I'm gonna start thinking about why I wanted to join you, what my purpose was being here, and it's gonna just flow. The more the other person talks also, when you ask those open-ended questions, that's gonna lead the other person to talk more. And if you're truly listening because you truly care about them, 
all the other questions. So if you're concerned, well, I don't know what questions to ask them. The more the other person talks, the more questions you're going to naturally get just from their conversation because they're going to lead to talking about this and say, oh, well, tell me more about that. Oh, well, that's, well, how did that happen? Mm -hmm. How did you get there? And next thing you know, you, you're leading, you're kind of guiding their journey. Mm -hmm. And that conversation is just going and going and going. And you're truly learning more and more about them. If that's what you, you know, if that's what your heart is, is to right. learn more about the person. Yeah. And I think the best conversations are not just a two way street. You know, it's, you get that point, they get their point across. You veer off on the trail and you get started on a side topic together. That's yeah. still part of the conversation. I mean, at some point, you know, you're looking for common ground. That's when mm -hmm. a conversation really hits home is when you can find that common ground, something that you're both interested in. And sometimes those side roads will lead you to that destination. You agree with that? Right. I agree. This is the last one. The number five is going to help with keeping the conversation going. So let's say that you've applied these four. You've got a good conversation going. The last thing you want to do is put it out like a cigarette in an ashtray. And one way that you can absolutely destroy a conversation is by using inappropriate language, inappropriate tone, and inappropriate volume, even. Mm -hmm. So how, how can somebody destroy a conversation from the language part using inappropriate language? Well, if you, uh, if you cuss like a sailor and you're talking to a person that doesn't care to hear that language, that's going to be a big red flag. They're going to be, they're done with that conversation. That's right. Um, you know, too much of something like we're, me and you are both bilingual. We speak two different languages. We speak English and we speak sarcasm, mm -hmm. but sarcasm can't be our only avenue. Can't, you can't drown a conversation with humor. Yeah, people, if a person's not uh, into jokes and that's all you're doing, it, like let's say somebody who is, is very type A, serious about everything that they talk about and you come in there and you're poking fun at everything they say, mm -hmm. they're not going to talk to you very long. Yeah, That conversation is going to be real short and they're going to move on and you've kind of lost the battle there. Right. You've either got to find somebody else to talk to yeah. or, or whatever. What about volume? This is how I talk. What? Oh, or the soft talker. Yeah. Or how about the, the person that won't look at you? No contact. Yeah. Nope. Like, uh, been wanting to talk to you about something. That's tough. Are you talking to me? Yeah, Philip. <laughs> I agree. I don't like how you're sitting on the swing. I've been meaning to talk to you about this. <laughs> That's a good one. So body, body language is important. Yes. We don't have to go into great detail about that, but you, if you're sitting there, and your arms are crossed and you're looking down and somebody's trying to talk to you, mm -hmm. you look shut off and somebody's probably going to be like, well, that's, that's, they don't want to talk. Had a speech teacher in college that, um, well, we called it speech. They called it communications. Um, when you were given a speech, they talked about using different facial expressions, using uh, your hand gestures and this and that. Sometimes, you I can over gesture. I, I don't, I don't make myself, but you know, like when I, when I'm really getting into talking about something, it just kind of comes natural. Like you can feel your hand, like, you know, it's like you get the wheel turning, like, mm -hmm. you know, like as you're trying to make them yeah. understand, like it's, yeah. it just comes natural. You know, the, the hand gestures. I and think that's a lot better than this. Oh yeah. If you're, if you stood at attention the entire yeah. time that you were talking, that'd be kind of weird. Yeah. And then, uh, movement 
can be wrong at certain times. Like when you're on, up in a pulpit, when you go back and forth, that that's natural. But if I'm sitting there talking to you one on one, and you start hitting a 45 degree angle over there, and I think we're about to line up for tackling drills, yeah, uh, the conversation's gonna go wrong because I'm like, well, do I blitz or am I blocking? What, what's going on? Is here? it time to get aggressive? Right. Um, is he is he running away? Yeah. Should I, what's going on here? So I like that. Yeah. But uh, what about loud? You ever talk to a loud talker? That's kind of, that can be kind of weird. Yes. I had dinner with one recently. Really? <laughs> you were there. <laughs> you know good and well. Because I was trying to talk to you, and this person like ruptured my eardrum. So you had a little blood trickle but out. But it's of the okay because she has a lovely daughter who's a great mother to my children. <laughs> oh, I got you. I didn't know who you were talking about there for a minute. I was thinking, man, I don't want, I don't want to offend somebody. Oh no, no, was. that's just friendly combat. She, She's unoffendable. Oh, of course. Like you have, you have trained her. Right. The ruthless endurement. <laughs> well, she's uh she can dish it out, but she can definitely take it. Yeah. So, must be that coal mine country. So appropriate use of language, body that be body language, tone, volume, all those things are super important. Well, I think these were good at five good things, and mm -hmm. honestly, I believe if you're, you know, willing to try those and implement those five things. Yeah. I really think you can overcome and become a better conversationalist. I said that slowly because that's a lot. Yeah. Well, before we wrap this up, do you think there's a good example of a of a bad conversation that we had with someone where we maybe used the wrong tone, the wrong approach? Uh, Absolutely. I've, I've got one where I can start us off with it while you're formulating yours. It sounds like you've already got yours, though. But here's mine. You ready? Give it to me. All right. So I'm about 19 years old, which... Anyone who knows a 19-year-old boy, everything's going to make perfectly sense. Uh, you know, perfect sense what I say here. So we go to a very cultured event known as the the Hank Williams Jr. concert at Oak Mountain. So you know, back then, you know, back in the day, nobody bought tickets. Uh, if you bought tickets, you'd get them from Ticketmaster out at the Bruno's grocery store. Mm -hmm. Other than that, the other you know, 80% of the people like me, you go and buy them from scalpers. Mm -hmm. You know, you show up and give somebody cash for them. We buy seats off this boy. He's about our age, 18, 19. And he tells us where they are. And we give him the price uh, or the price that he's asking, which was $15, $20. And he showed us where it was going to be in the upper level, bottom row. So when we get up there and we start going and, and climbing, we're like, man, that boy pulled one over on us. He got fifteen or twenty dollars for his ten dollar tickets. We're we're about two or three rows from the top, and I'm sitting down there, and we're just talking back and forth uh, about two or three of my friends, and we're sitting there. We're talking about the seats, and we're like, "Man, that boy ripped us off. We need to go find him, do him dirty." Mm. Just get some and, and, and I'm sure that's the words that we used. Yeah. There's a pair of adults sitting beside us. Mama leans forward and said. That was my son that sold you those tickets. Ooh. And in my quick thinking, 19-year-old humor, I said, well, we'll let him slide this time. <laughs> I got up and I walked you away. Were done. I was like, hey, let's go. You were absolutely yeah. done. So know your surroundings. Know the. Be prepared. Once you take, put those words out there, you can't reel them back in. And you got to be able to stand by what you say.
that's a good word. Well, I'm not going to give specifics of mine, but and it sadly it's going to speak similar to what you said. Sometimes in conversation, when you don't know somebody, you get nervous and you you don't know what to say if you're not doing the listening technique, which is super important and mm -hmm. something I employ a lot more now is listen and respond to what they say as opposed to trying to develop something out of the middle of nowhere. I was young and trying to climb the ladder in the business world and I was able to have a conversation with a administrator person in a conference setting and I didn't really know what to say. So I just started talking about some disagreements that I had with some of the ways that people had done, made some business decisions. And they didn't say anything because, you know, professionals won't. A lot of times they'll just let you talk wow. and let you continue to step in all the mess. Well, come to find out, after that was over, I learned that they were really good friends with the person who I was basically dogging about the decisions that they had made. Yeah. And I just, that, that sinking feeling when you have said a bunch of things that maybe you even, you even embellished a little bit just for effect or whatever and, or to make yourself look better. And I just, I was so embarrassed and I didn't want to go talk to them again. I did, I never even wanted to see them again because I had inserted my foot in my mouth mm -hmm. over and over and over again. And I thought, well, I'll never have a chance. And that's true. If you're trying to impress somebody that, you know, networking or whatever, You've ruined it at mm -hmm. that point. And that's a good word. What's the verse that you like to quote? Uh, is it something about it's better to remain silent and let it be uh, a mystery if that person is a fool? Yeah, than to speak and leave no doubt? Absolutely. Do not solidify the fact that you're an idiot. Just right. stay silent. You know, because oftentimes yeah. if you're just quiet, listening, people consider you to be intelligent. Right. They certainly don't think you're stupid for listening. So, well, there it is, how to start a conversation, Hayden Alabama podcast style. We hope you got something, and I think if you'll employ these tactics, you'll have some better conversations or at least more comfortable conversations in the future. And if not, it's our fault, not yours. All right, we'll see you guys next week.